Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Before we begin tonight, all of us at the What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast would like to take a moment to remember Sean Spicer, who left us today. Your incredible duplicitous, utter lack of scruples and tenacious mendacity set the tone for the Trump administration. In the annals of history, assuming we all survive this, you will go down with the other great with the other great spineless derelictions of morality, Vidkin Quisling, Grimma Wormtongue, and Rudolph Hess. <laughs> we pour one out for Sean Spicer and extend my sincere offer to co-host this podcast. You can join Gavin in the booth, buddy. <laughs> now let's start the show. The following podcast contains... You cannot say filth, flying filth, flying filth in front of people. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided moving to New York would be a good idea, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, July 21st, 2017 Steel Rail Blues edition of the show where we talk about the broke-ass, run-down, shitty infrastructure in New York City and the rest of America. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Governor Andrew Cuomo, who wants you to know this shit ain't on him. Governor Cuomo understands that 1.7 billion people ride the subway every year, but would like to reiterate that despite him being in charge of the agency that makes the train go, this shit is not on him. We don't know, blame de Blasio or Chris Christie or something, but Cuomo, he ain't got shit to do with it. Maybe it's gnomes, we don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah, he's in charge of the MTA, but that doesn't mean he's in charge of anything. Hell if we know, we just get paid to write copy for the guy. He says it ain't on him. It's probably Trump's fault. We're just gonna go with that. So remember, when your train is sitting in a tunnel for hours with no power, that shit has got nothing to do with our man Andrew. Vote Cuomo 2018. This is nothing. No, it's not nothing, it's something. It's a nightmare. Help me. Move it. Come on, move this thing. Why isn't it moving? What could go wrong with a train? It's on tracks. There's no traffic. How could a train get stuck? Step on the gas. What could it be? You think the conductor would explain it to us? I'm sorry, there's a delay. We'll be moving in five minutes. I want to hear a voice. What's that on my leg? I take a cab for six dollars my whole life could have changed what is that on my leg I'll never get out of here what if I'm here for the rest of my life maybe I'll get out in five seconds one banana two four banana five banana no I'm still here still here when will they start moving Move! 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 It's moving! It's moving! 
major complaints the other 342 million odd people in America have right now is how the 8 million of us or so in New York City are so soap-obsessed and that we think you ought to care about our problems. And I get that. I understand. After all, what do the problems of people who live in New York mean to, uh, say, Lynchburg, Virginia, the most statistically average city in America? But to turn on your news or watch your TV shows, there we are, fucking New Yorkers. With this in mind, I'm giving you fair warning, this is a pretty New York City-centric episode, because I'm going to talk about the NYC subway system, the heart and the soul of the city that never sleeps, because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh... And it's a fucking disaster! Right, that's what it is. But uh, I make you the What the Hell podcast guarantee that I will do my damnedest to somehow wiggle in some content relevant to you, Lynchburg. The New York City subway system is the oldest subway system in America. If you don't count Boston, which I don't because frankly I've been on the T and that shit is not a subway, that's a bus on tracks that runs in a couple of tunnels. I'm gonna come up there right now and I'm gonna fucking stuff that thing up your fucking ass. Go fuck yourself! No, Go fuck you yourself. are the most disrespectful son of a bitch. Go fuck yourself, Tuffy. We have 36 lines serving 427 stations, over 850 miles of track. An average five and a half million people ride it every single day, with over 1.7 billion people riding in 2016 all of whom were packed into one car on the R train around 6.15 on, on Thursday. The system first opened at 2.35 p.m. October 27, 1904, and the first delayed train was promptly at 2.37 p.m. for a sick passenger. The New York City subway is the only full-service, 24-hour subway in the United States. Chicago claims to run 24 hours, but yeah, it's two lines. Chicago doesn't have a subway. Their trains are above the street. What is it there? 1890? Fuck you all! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! The subway is only part of a much larger system called the Metropolitan Transit Authority, which also oversees commuter trains, bridges, tunnels, and regional bus service, serving over 14 million people in the New York City metro area and beyond. The MTA has a $13 billion a year budget, but only half of that is covered by fares. The remainder is kicked in by state and federal funds. The agency is overseen by a 17-member board appointed by, and at the end of the day, controlled by the New York governor, currently Andrew Cuomo. Despite what Andrew Cuomo says, he's really the one in charge. As you might imagine, any system so large, so complex, running 24 hours a day, is going to experience its share of problems. Shit breaks. Things get delayed. Every so often a train shoots off the tracks and kills a bunch of people. But these are minor things and you trade them off for the privilege of being able to drink yourself stupid until four in the morning and not have to drive home killing a homeless dude on Broadway. And that's a good thing. Especially if you're the homeless dude, right? The problem is the subway system itself has been running at a budget deficit for years now. For any number of reasons. Cost overruns on construction projects. The economic downturn, suppressing the economy in the region for years. Oh, and decades of the state shorting funds for infrastructure repairs so they could use the money to take members of the assembly to... Every strip club in Albany, is that true? <laughs> then we had Super Storm Sandy, which was not exactly super for the subways. What with the ocean taking the express to Midtown like that? And at the end, the result is the subway system is like a drunk guy swaying on the edge of the platform while the train barrels into the station. One little stumble and... 
a whole bunch of stockbrokers ain't making it to work anytime soon. On the second episode of this podcast, I talked about riding the subways here in the city because God knows New Yorkers love to bitch about the trains. I mean, I've lived here for a long time, and every conversation I've had in this city starts off with, Sorry, I'm fucking late, but the fucking train. And then we fill in whatever disaster happened on that particular trip. The MTA tells us the biggest reason for train delays are the doors being held in the station, in which someone jams themselves into the door, keeping it from closing and the train from departing. Except, of course, it's not some insensitive jerk holding the doors for fun. Okay, sometimes, in fact, a lot of times it actually is that. But it's usually because, goddammit, you gotta wedge your ass into the train car with enough people to crew an aircraft carrier already inside because it's been the only train for the past 20 minutes. I'm gonna be packed in olive oil. I'm gonna be a sardine. According to the MTA, delays are up from 28,000 a month in 2012 to 70,000 a month in 2017. But hey, you know, MTA, that shit's on us, right? But the reasons we are packing on the trains like that more and more often, is that the trains aren't coming because something, somewhere, is broke. Why is it broke? Well, a huge chunk of the system is running on parts designed and manufactured in the 1930s. Parts are so old that they need to be remanufactured when they break. Imagine if you had to change your flat tire and you had to go harvest the rubber from the tree, boil it down, mix it with chemicals, pour it in the mold, let it cool, then put it on the rim, and only then could you remount the tire on your car. This is what happens when one of the ancient switches break on the New York City subway system. Why is it like that? Because when these things should have been replaced, New York City was a hellhole of poverty and despair. There was no money in the 70s to fix it. And by the time there was money, the state had no vested interest in doling it out. So, uh, out to the rubber tree we go every time something breaks on the subway. And the agency right now is fixated on making cosmetic improvements or quality of life changes to the system, like getting cell phone service on the subway lines. Yeah, great. Now I can hear Anthony scream at his wife over the phone while stuck between stations for an hour. You hear me, bitch? Everyone can hear you, Anthony. Everyone. And I can't speak for the rest of the city, but personally, I can wait the 20 minutes to tell my wife I hate her fucking guts. But you know what? You guys do you. The only real benefit of having these quality of life changes is you can tweet angrily at Andrew Cuomo while your train is sitting still for an hour with no lights and no air conditioning. And tweet angrily at Cuomo, we do. The problem, as most people in the city see it, is the state has given the city the shitty end of the stick for decades. I mean, just this year, the fund earmarked for new subway cars was rated for automated toll-taking gates on state highways because it's important that someone in Shagacoke not spend an extra two seconds with a last-generation easy pass. Why does Andy do this? Because in the United States, when it comes to who gets the money to travel from point A to point B, it is always going to be people in their cars. It's been that way for a long time, and you have one man to thank for that. How's it going, Eisenhower? Close, but not exactly. To find out that man's name, we need to turn on the way back. Find your way back. Find your way back to her heart. Find your way back. Find your way back to her heart. Dwight David Eisenhower saw what the Germans did with the Autobahn and decided we in America should have something like that. But you know, without 
killing all the Jews to build it. So he proposed and got past the Federal Highway Act of 1956, which would build what we now call the interstate system, or more commonly, the fucking, insert the local parking lot that is supposed to be a highway here. Prior to this, there were national highways. They consisted mostly of patchwork state, local, and even private roads that more or less came about organically based on the easiest way to get from the Jepson farm to the nearest place where Farmer Jepson could get his liquor on without his wife and his damn kids screaming in his ear. But the interstates would be an interconnected system of roads that could quickly move people around the country based on... And the man with that science would be Frank Turner. I conceived of the interstate. Frank Turner built them. Turner worked in roads the way other artists worked in oils or clay. He was his true medium. He was a master. He built the Alaska Highway, the first and still major highway between the continental United States and the state of Alaska in 1943. A massive achievement in and of itself for which, like, road geeks would revere him. But in 1954, he was selected to serve on the committee that would design Ike's Interstates. It was Turner who decided that they would be funded by the federal government from taxes versus the more common toll roads the states, and I'm looking at you, New Jersey, had decided to fund their highways. And it was Turner who literally drew the lines on the map that became the routes for the interstates. Frank Turner used a lifetime of experience in engineering and the latest computing technology to estimate traffic flows and created a system of roads where one could pull out from their driveway at the tip of Florida and drive to the tip of Washington State and eventual Alaska in a matter of days rather than weeks. The interstates made our modern system of moving goods and around the country via long-haul trucking affordable and effective. He served from 1954 until his retirement in 1972 as the Federal Highway Administrator. People use Eisenhower's name when it comes to the interstate, but it was Turner that made them a reality. So the next time you're in standstill traffic, wherever you are, you could scream out, Fuck you, Frank Turner, as the man who's truly responsible for the misery you're in right now. And thanks to Turner's super-efficient highways, America became well and truly a car culture. I mean, we were on the way before the first interstate was ever surveyed, but it was Turner's scientifically designed and targeted brain babies that made Americans hit the road in massive numbers. Why, thanks to the interstate, you can get in your car, drive out past an endless row of identical big box stores, chain restaurants, car dealerships, and hotels, and in just a few hours, arrive in a totally different place with identical rows of big box stores, chain restaurants, car dealerships, and hotels. Wow, it's like you never left. Where once America was a hodgepodge of metropolises and cities and small towns dotting the landscape, thanks to the interstate, it's now a vast suburban sprawl of carbon copy businesses and homes linked to one another by a broad artery of commerce that's usually backed up bumper to bumper for five to eight hours a day. It's a miracle. Because we spend so much time in our cars, belching out greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, the entire planet is stewing its own juices, and soon a broad swath of those marvelous roads will be underwater. But that too will be okay, because our boats run on gas. And more germane to the topic at hand, these marvels of modern design killed mass transit, most in particularly the railroads. Oh, sure, the trains are still running, materials that don't really go well on the highway or need to get cross-country on the cheap and in bulk, 
the passenger rail, the dominant way of moving around the country until 1970 when cheaper airfares in the interstate put the final nail in any meaningful cross-country railroad trip. In April, the Tangerine Turd's budget called for ending the federal subsidy in long-distance Amtrak trains, which, if passed, will finally kill cross-country railroad. Which is really sad, because I say this from experience, you can spend 45 hours in your car, cramp behind a seat and driving like a maniac across country, or you can take the train and spend the same amount of time relaxing, reading, drinking booze, and watching the country roll by. And it's a really beautiful country while it lasts. This train got to disappear in railroad news. These days, Americans drive. They don't give a shit about the very small fraction of the country that does not drive, because to be honest, aside from New York City, there's nowhere you can really exist without a car. That's why Cuomo's got no problem raiding the cookie jar that keeps the New York City moving underground to put in at a toll booth for folks in Rochester. Because he can. The rest of the state hates those of us in the city and happily saw the entire thing off and float us out to sea like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. They resent one dime of their taxes paying for a stupid train in the city that they might use once every five years, if even that. To the good folks outside the MTA corridors or even if they just live on the periphery, they're way more concerned about the pothole in their street over the smug asshole city person sweltering in a train car for hours because of the broke-ass train. And honestly, why should they care? Well, they could start by realizing that the city and the surrounding areas pay more in taxes than we get back from the state and services. The very people who shit on the idea of their tax money being used to get me from home to work are spending my tax money to fill their fucking potholes. So what? You know, I guess fuck you, I guess. Is that how this works? Shit, I don't want to take money from Saratoga pockets to use on the subway. I just want Saratoga to stop taking money from my subway trains to use on their toll booths. Oh, that seems fair. It really does. <laughs> that is also the red state, blue state rub, folks. Chances are, if you're living in a blue city in a red state, your money is flowing out to the folks that think you're the fucking devil with your libtard ideas and wanting them to not die because they can't afford to see a doctor. You monster! We folks who happen to live in cities are generating the revenue that drives the economy and the taxes that run the state. Because you know what? That's where the money's at, y'all. We haven't done that whole agrarian society for a long time now. Eight out of ten of the states that receive more federal government from the federal government than they pay in taxes to the government are deep, deep, ruby-ass red. My taxes are paying for you folks to disenfranchise black voters and keep trans kids out of your bathrooms. But you know what? Because I might not want to deal with finding a parking space, I'm fucking a sicko, huh? I get it. I get it. I understand. You don't want your taxes to go places that aren't doing anything for you. Because humans are insular creatures. We only think of our little tribe. It's a side effect of evolution or, or God design if you're educated in a red state. So let me put it in terms you can understand in your car-centric life. I spent the first 30-odd years of my life in your world, and I remember what it was like. You spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this box on wheels that takes you where you want to go. Once you buy it, you have to spend thousands more because when you drive that expensive box, there are other expensive boxes sharing the street with you, and many of those boxes are operated by, for lack of a better word, 100% a dick. And they crash into your expensive box, and then you gotta fix it. 
Once a week, you've got to spend more money to put juice in your expensive box that makes it go. Every so often, your expensive box just stops working for no apparent reason, and you have to spend a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars to pay for a guy with a lot of oil and grease on him to fix your expensive box. So over time, you pay for that expensive box, and you pay out probably about half as much as you paid for the expensive box in the first place. But oh, the joys of that expensive box. You get to take it and pull onto the highway with thousands of other 100% dicks, where you all rate in rows and rows of boxes. Because somewhere ahead of you, the government has put down a bunch of orange barrels to make sure you will not go over five miles an hour for at least the next 20 miles. Perhaps you have your family in your box with you, where you can argue with your significant other about how to get from the place you were to the place you wanted to be and how, if you had taken a different route, the place you would all be at would not be sitting in an endless pose of rocks right fucking now. This will cause your children to stop staring blankly at their electronic devices and begin to cry loudly, and at least one of them will need to urinate, even though you specifically told them to go before they got in the fucking box. And then, and then, when you finally arrive at the place you want to be, you will need to reverse directions and do it all over again before you can get back home and park your box, except that asshole neighbor has parked their box in your goddamn spot again. You tuck and told Ted not to park that piece of shit after you be there because it's your spot. Fuck, fuck, fuck you, Ted. Oh, truly owning a car is a magical experience that you pay thousands and thousands of dollars for to enjoy, except it turns you into a rage-filled, frothing maniac who hates everyone and everything, particularly fucking Ted in a Chevy Tahoe. And I swear to God, Jimmy, if you don't shut up, I'm going to leave you right here on the side of the fucking road. I mean, I will just put you out right here. Now piss in this bottle and be quiet. Like I said, I've been in your world. Now my world... I walk down a flight of dirty stairs into a stinky hole in the ground where I wait on a platform where people have urinated as recently as right this second for a row of big-ass metal boxes on rails to come and move me to the place I want to be. A lot of times that big box is late, and when it arrives, there's no room for me to get in the box. And if I do get in the box, I'll discover that someone inside that box has not showered since the Carter administration and has turned the inside of the box into a pig's asshole. Standing there beneath the tepid flow of air conditioning, if I'm lucky, trying to cool the sweat on my brow, a woman will come along and ask for money because she's homeless and pregnant and is just looking to get something to eat, and she's been pregnant with that child for the entire 13 years I've lived here. If I'm lucky enough to sit down, the man next to me will spread his legs so wide you could fit a fair-sized drum and bugle corps between them because apparently his testicles need fresh air. Before the end of my journey, no matter how long or short, I will be accosted by a mariachi players, a kid playing drums on a bucket, an acapella group that has not changed their song since 1985. I swear to God, if I hear this little light of mine one more time, I have turned somebody's lights out permanently. And then the kids break dancing on the poles of the car. To round all of this out, I may at any one given time hear a manic subway preacher explain at the top of their voice why God hates homosexual, or the pig's ass smelling guy will suddenly begin to explain why the government has placed a radio transmitter in his dick and show everyone in the car the scar on the tip to prove his case. There will be a fight between someone eating a box of chicken wings and a lady wearing enough jewelry to finance a minor war in Central America. 
If I'm enormously lucky, I will get to witness a performance artist release a box of vermin on the train that is supposed to somehow explain the evils of capitalism and they will be naked when they do it. Were I a woman, I would be masturbated to openly at least once every three months. All of this on a system that is chronically late, chronically diverted to substations other than the ones I wanted to go to without warning, and filled with people who hate each other, and raises the fares, apparently once a year, while reducing the quality of my service. But at least, at least, as bad as all that is, I have only paid $2.75 for the ride, and I don't have to find a place to park. And between the two, I will take the train. So you know what? Governor Cuomo, fix the fucking MTA. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. I'm so happy to do a show that only tangentially mentions the doing in D.C. was worried that I'd be forced to cut Gavin's health insurance if the bill passed, and he needs the ACA to treat that back acne. Put a shirt on, Gavin. No one wants to see that. I apologize if you found the show a little too New Yorkish for your taste, but since I live here and have to ride the goddamn train, I figure it's my right to complain about it on my own show. At least until Fast Eddie tells me that I can't. If you'd like to hear more of my random disgruntles about my life, follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. For the current service status of your podcast, including all fast track and other and all other scheduled repairs, they're on SoundCloud at the show name or www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave, your train operator, Dave Bledsoe, your conductor, producer Gavin, and all the other fictional track workers on the show, we want to say we got the text late last night from the MTA saying things we just ain't right. The lines are shut, and we ain't getting home without a fight. So tell the governor to stick it where the sun don't shine, because the big steel rail is going to carry me home to the one I love. We'll see you all next week. I've been out here many long days Haven't found a place that I could call my own Not a two-bit bed to lay my body on I've been stood up, I've been jerked down I've been dragged into the sand And the big steel rail gonna carry me home To the one I love Podcasts.